Hi, I'm Terry Hughes, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. We are back for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 630 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a director that has done so many shows. They have made you laugh over the years. Terry Hughes is going to be joining us. He was the director of The Golden Girls. Third Rock from the Sun, he did episodes of Friends, so many others, The Two Ronnies over in England, and uh, just so many other you know, shows that you know, have you know, made you laugh. So uh, he'll be telling us a lot about behind the scenes at The Golden Girls and uh, Third Rock. He talks about The Two Ronnies, uh, all, all sorts of stuff. Which, which of the girls was the funniest and, you know, did the pranks and things like that on The Golden Girls behind the scenes? We're going to find that out in a few minutes coming up right here on On Screen and Beyond. So hope you're going to keep listening. And I hope you'll tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond as we move along. More and more people are downloading the show and we love it and love hearing from you. You can get in touch with me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, also, if you would uh, you know, leave a review or something like that, that would help. And like I say, always tell a friend, get the word out, get things going so we can get more and more people on the show with your help. And that's by downloading all you can. Also, subscribe to On Screen and Beyond. And like I've always said, it's the free one, not, you know, some people have subscriptions and all this stuff and make you pay and all that. Uh, we're not doing that, uh, but the, from your podcast provider, if you go ahead and subscribe, the second we put it out, you will get it. You don't have to go searching for it, remembering, oh, is this the day that it's coming out, things like that. Just go ahead and subscribe. It helps us, and uh, we appreciate that. So, Terry Hughes, is, uh, he has done so much in his career, and uh, we're going to talk all about that in just a few minutes. But just want to remind you that on May 26th to the 28th at the Arinda Theater in Arinda, California, behind the Golden Curtain, Terry Hughes will be there. And uh, you can meet him. And like I said, he it's all in honor of the Golden Girls TV show. They're going to have all kinds of uh, other people from the show, from behind the scenes, the writers, the producers, uh, some guest stars who were on the show. It's, it's going to be so much fun. There's going to be trivia questions and uh, parties and lectures and everything. So uh, if you don't get a chance to get there, because uh, not everybody is in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, near Arinda, so we're going to do our best to get uh, at least some of the guests at that event on here so if you can't make it then you can still learn about what went on behind the golden curtain so keep listening to on screen and beyond in the next couple of weeks it usually gets pretty hectic here as they start rolling in i'm hoping we're going to get a few more people so uh we'll be uh you know checking that out so anyways right now it's time for remake madness and of course that's remake sequels and prequels right here on on screen and beyond Please hang up and try again. Well, on remakes, sequels, and prequels, it looks like Tom Hardy will return as Venom on Venom 3, 
And Ted Lasso's Juno Temple will co-star in the film. Courtney B. Vance has joined the Disney's Lilo and Stitch live-action remake as Cobra Bubbles. And July 7th, you can look for the next installment of the Insidious franchise with Insidious The Red Door. Michelle Yeoh is going to be starring in a new Star Trek movie called Star Trek Section 31 for Paramount+. Plus. We'll keep you informed on that. And Sylvester Stallone will be in the next installment of The Expendables coming our way in August. That's it for remakes, sequels, and prequels. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Well, upcoming new movies, 1923's Brandon Skellar has joined with Blake Lively to star in It Ends With Us. And Jody Long and Nancy Lenahan have joined the cast of Night Swim. Now, this is a supernatural thriller, and it comes our way on January 19th, and that's 2024. And Jason Priestley of Beverly Hills 90210 fame will star in Control-Alt-Delete. This is a drama about the media in our society. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, well, we are going to check out movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Hello, this is Stephanie Powers, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. Movies and TV on DVD and streaming. It looks like Sky Med Season 1 flies on to DVD on June 6th. The L Word Generation Q Season 3 makes DVD on June 16th. June 13th, Quantum Leap Season 1 leaps on to DVD. And Megan Fox in Johnny and Clyde hits DVD on June 27th. June 11th, you can get Scream 6 as it goes to Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K. And Last of Us, the complete first season arrives on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, all on July 18th. And that's it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and entertainment time. Well, The Good Doctor has been renewed for a seventh season. Along with that, Will Trent also has been given the go-ahead for a renewal for season two. And Dick Van Dyke will be a guest in a guest role on Days of Our Lives soap opera on Peacock this fall. Now, he's already taped the role. Uh, They're going to be showing it in the fall when it uh, comes around. Dick is 97 years old. And uh, this is going to be a dramatic role for him, not not the usual comedy you see him in. So be sure to be looking for that to see Dick Van Dyke out there. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're sitting down with Terry Hughes, director of The Golden Girls, Third Rock from the Sun, some Friends episodes, The Two Ronnies, and Terry Hughes is next right here on On Screen and Beyond. today on On Screen and Beyond is a director and producer who has helmed so many shows including Man with a Plan, Friends, Eight Simple Rules, Third Rock from the Sun, Square Pegs, The Two Ronnies, and 
the Golden Girls, and he will be at the Behind the Golden Curtain event at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, on May 26th through the 28th. It's Terry Hughes. Terry, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Pleased to be here. Thank you. Terry, you were the one who was guiding so many shows on the Golden Girls. Uh, and you did what? Almost uh, over 100, didn't you? It's about 115, 116. Wow. Most of the first, most of the first five years. Yeah. Now, isn't it from other directors I've talked with on the show? Um, the 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 it seems like the the thing is normally that a director will do one show or two shows or three shows, and then they rotate different people. Uh, is that correct? And but but you did a lot. <laughs> It is correct if you see television now, but back in those days, uh, we're talking in the uh, mid-80s uh, mm-hmm. and on through the 90s as well, once uh, a show found compatibility between the actors and uh, a particular director, they tended to stay with that one person. Uh, it's like, why rock the boat? You know, it was a, It's a very important contribution to the success of the show. Right. And if they find a perfect marriage, uh, they want to keep it. Yeah. And that's what happened in my case. In fact, um, there were two directors who had done the show before me, uh, before it was on the air. Let, let me explain. Jay Samridge, who was an incredible director, um, really the, the, the major director of, of comedy in that period in, in America. Uh, as you know, or you can hear, I'm British. And I was working for the BBC in England. And I used to watch American shows. And I used to watch. And whenever I saw a show, I thought, I love the way that's directed. I would stay through the credits. And invariably, it was directed by Jay Sandwich. And I thought, I must get to know that man. This is long before I ever thought that I would be moving to America and working. So anyway, I was very conscious of this this name. So uh, I've been here about four four or five years in in the States doing things like you mentioned, square pegs and movies of the week and all sorts of things and translating musicals to televisions like uh, Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd and Sunday in the Park with George. And my agent called me and said, there's a new show. It's not on the air yet. They've just done a pilot. It's supposed to be terrific. And they're interested, uh, if you'd be interested, in coming along and directing it. And he told me it was about four ladies in Miami. And I said, no, no, that's not what I really want to do. It doesn't sound very appealing to me. <laughs> and I turned it down. Uh, anyway, they, so they started doing the show. And this is, again, long before it was on the air. And they had two directors. The first director, was whose name I can't quite remember, but at the time was a very well-established, very, really, really good director. Uh, but there was some chemistry missing between he and the ladies. Jay had done the pilot, was not available for the series, but had done the pilot. And um, they had this other very established director, but for some reasons, which I don't really know because it was before I was there, it, it didn't work out. Then they had a newer, younger director, also a very good director. I don't mention his name, but he's a very good director. Again, there was no compatibility between he and the ladies. And uh, they were getting worried because they knew they had this potential hit show on their hand and uh, somehow it, it, it wasn't working. So my agent came to me again and said, look, do me a favor because he represented B. Arthur. He said, you know, this is a major show. 
will you go in at least and meet with them? I hadn't even seen a script or a pilot or anything at this point. So I said, okay, let me see the pilot. So what happened is I went over to the studio where they were doing the show, and I sat in a room and watched the pilot on my own, just sitting on my own. Uh, oh, my God, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh, maybe I should think twice about being so adamant about turning this down. So following the um, following the um, viewing, I sat with the producers, and they said, look, would you like to have lunch with the ladies and uh, see if you know, you're all on the same page? Which I did. I sat with the four ladies, and... Uh, we had lunch, which was delightful. I was fortunate. Beata knew my work. She spent a lot of time in London, and she's seen quite of my uh, work in London with the two Ronnies and Monty Python and things like that. So she was aware of me, but I'd never met her. So we had a delightful lunch, and I got home. I got home about five o'clock, and my agent said, "I'd like you to do the rest of the series. Would you do it?" And I said yes. That's how it happened. <laughs> wow, that, that's incredible. Uh, what was it like working with them? Were they were they, were they as fun as they looked on the show? <laughs> yes, well, they were as fun on the show because of all the work we did during the week to get to get the show at that stage. Mm -hmm. They were very very hardworking. We would come in, uh, say nine thirty ten o'clock, uh, and we would start rehearsing, and we rehearse through solidly uh, we take we take a break for lunch but we would work until we got the script in a pretty good shape although we knew the script was going to uh, go through rewrites that night it went through rewrites every night so we didn't lock everything it didn't lock it in stone we just you know got the essence of the script and then on the second day of rehearsal of the week on a tuesday we started on monday on tuesday we would do a run through for for the producers and the show would be in pretty good shape by then, but not perfect. Then the writers would go away overnight, and sometimes working to two or three in the morning, later sometimes, and the script would change yet again. And the arc of improvement between what was an okay script on Monday when we first read it and Thursday morning when we started again with a, a rewritten script, the arc of improvement, I would say on average, it was about 40 to 50%. It just got better and better every day. Wow. So ladies worked. I worked with them, and we did the best we could with the script we had. But each time we knew the script would be better tomorrow. And it was right up to the last minute that would happen. Wow. <laughs> so did how does that work? Is it the actors? You know, I'm sure not in every show because the actresses or actors don't have – as much power as these four ladies had, but, uh, or is it the director who says, Hey, this isn't quite right. We don't want to go with this, change the script, send it back to the writers. Is that how it works? Or No, no, it, it doesn't work like that. Although I would give the writers a heads up. I'd say, you know, the, the first act is, is working. It falls apart in a second. I would just give them a hint of what would happen before the run through. And then they would see the run through and, Usually they would agree with me or even see things that I thought were working they thought they could improve on. And they would go away. It was, it, it was It's very much a writer's medium. Okay. I mean, I'd like to take credit for what I contributed, but nevertheless, my, my hat goes off to writers in that form, mm -hmm. especially those writers. So let me tell you, we would do a show sometimes. We would do a run-through at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we'd finish at 5. We'd 
sit around and ladies would give notes, I'd give my notes, and the writers would go away and start writing. I would come in next morning at nine o'clock and I would arrive on the lot. I would sometimes see the writers getting into their cars to go home, having been there all night writing. <laughs> I, I, I would say at least four or five times a season that would happen. So they, they, they earned their money <laughs> working all night. They did. Jeez. they did. The writers earned their money. I mean, I, I, all credit to writers. Without that script, we had nothing. Mm-hmm. And now, of the, the four ladies, was one of them more of a jokester or anything? Or I, I, yes. know, I know they were professional, obviously, but uh, did, you know, how did it go during the shooting? Were, were they doing practical jokes at all? And who was the more joker one? It won't surprise you to know that Betty White was the uh, most uh, overt of the ladies who would chat with the audience and make jokes and then return to character as soon as we started rolling again. B. Arthur never, ever, ever broke character. Really? Once she came on the stage, she was Dorothy. If there was a break and the audience went wrong, she would just quietly sit and wait and stay totally in character. She never engaged with the audience. She never came out. She was Dorothy, and Dorothy was serious, and Dorothy was sarcastic. That's who she remained all through uh, the shooting of the show. Wow. Yeah. What about Rue and Estelle? Were they... Uh, Estelle Estelle uh, stayed within, within her lane. She, she Because... Um, she was the least experienced in this form of all the ladies that all the others had done it before. So if, if there was a break, she would take that opportunity just to, to go over her lines again, quietly in the corner. Uh, and Rue would, Rue would be very um, uh, free and uh, a jokey, but not so, not so much as Betty. Betty was the, uh, was the leader of that. Yeah. She was so incredible. Uh, it, it's, you know, she, from what, Never met her, you know, I've never met her or anything like that, uh, but she was just seems to be so friendly and out there all the time. Well, that, that's not an impression. That's who she is. That's, uh, that's who she was, who she is with people, uh, friends and people in the business and people out of the business. She was, she was a, a, a great figure of light and uh, jollity and, uh, and pleasure. I never saw her ever depressed or down or if we had a bad script she would oh we'll be fine we'll get her. their writers will get it she ne- she never worried she was so experienced she'd done so much that she she was confident yeah. in in the uh, in the writers yeah. and and the guest stars that you had uh, was it I, I presume it was very easy to uh, get somebody to come on the show i mean you had harold gould and bill dana and uh, herb edelman and uh, sid melton yeah i, I mean I, it just goes all on all all those people you've just mentioned, I, I, I love working with them. We, Herb, who played Stan, Dorothy's husband, if we were in a script and in the middle of the weekend it wasn't working very well, on more than one occasion I would say, you know what, we need We need to bring Herb in. We need to bring Stan in just, just to give us – and they, the writers would do that. They'd write a special – he wasn't part of that script, but they think, yeah, he can lighten up this scene or he can do that. And he would come in. and it, He was wonderful. I liked him so much. Mm. Yeah, it's just incredible the, the the guests that they had on, as well as you know the. the yeah, the I never, I, I personally never liked it when uh, when we had 
big name guests. I mean, we had Bob Hope and we had Burt Reynolds, although that did work extremely well with Burt Reynolds. It was a tag of the show. Um, I, I liked us using just good actors who became characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Having said that, it was fun when we had Dick Van Dyke and uh, there were others, but I, I like those solid actors like the Harold Goulds and Herb Averman's who were able to really, really bring something to it. Yeah. Now, being the one who's at the helm and trying to, uh, you know, make sure everything is going off right, when you had some of these huge stars on there and the, the, the women who were the, 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 you know, the stars of the show, was it anytime egos get in there? It was it like hurting cats sometimes. Never, <laughs> never. Um, if the people we asked to be on the show and they said yes, were very, very happy to be there. Mm-hmm. They recognized the quality of the show and they recognized the uh, skill of the ladies and they just wanted to match them. No, we never had any ego from any of our uh, guest mm. performers. Not one. Yeah. Not one. We had a pig once who was very difficult. <laughs> uh, he was a bit full of himself, but other than that, nobody. Kind of hard. You know, the old saying is don't work with the kids and animals. So uh, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, this is Bernie Coppell. I'm on On Screen and Beyond. This is Chaos with Don Shushia. So what do you feel is the thing that makes the Golden Girls such a show that, I mean, this was in the 80s and, and early 90s, and now, you know, it's, mid, people are still 80s, loving it. Mid-80s mid till 92, yes. Yeah. And now it still runs about 400 times a month on, on TV. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just multi-generational. Even at the time when we were on the air, the first time, Round. It was on Saturday evenings, and it became required family viewing. I mean, our ratings were so high that you knew a whole family was sitting down and watching it. And people talk about having watched it with their aunts and their grandmothers, and college students would uh, would have Golden Girls evenings where they were on Saturday night. Everybody in the dorm would watch Golden Girls before they went out. It was amazing. Now, when you continued on and went on to shows like uh, Third Rock from the Sun, now that's another one that you – you were there for a long, long time. Uh, I did. I did most of them. Yes. Yeah. I did. Was that similar? The way that one ran? Very, very similar. It was a very similar atmosphere. Uh, wonderful actors led by a delightful and talented and brave John Lithgow, who would attempt anything. Uh, he was so brave uh, in what he would do and so skilled. And the rest of the cast were of the same skill level. And again, it was the writers. The writers were dedicated and very, very similar experience to Golden Girls. Hmm. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with John Lithgow, I mean, you know, on there, he was a comedic actor. And the next show you'll see him on, he's, he's the villain. And it's like, he's just so exactly. incredibly talented. Uh, uh, amazingly so. And, uh, and just just a great team leader and a wonderful man to work with. That, that was that was a joyous experience. Hmm. Now, of all the things that went on with the Golden Girls, is there anything in your mind that was humorous behind the scenes, or anything that you can bring up with us? <laughs> yes, uh, we we did a Christmas show, and um, and the, the ladies all had surprise gifts. Uh, 
for for each other within the body of the show within character and um one of the one of the gifts was uh i think it was obviously rule as Blanche gave to the other ladies was a a calendar a male nude calendar <laughs> and all the crew and the prop guys and everything had posed for particular photographs for this book and it was brilliantly done really really well done but the ladies didn't know about this until they opened it in the scene and it was just hysterical i mean we had to reshoot it obviously because they because <laughs> they they just lost it you know it was just total unbridled laughter when they first saw these these, these pictures it was, it was very very funny so when you did the run through though did you use a different you know a, yeah a well, different... you, well, you, yeah yeah just a dummy one yes. yeah, so they, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can see how that i mean usually actors are very good it seems like holding it back but if you saw something like that how could you not oh, crack they, up? They, they could, it, it, just, it was just cascading laughter it was just just funny <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> well terry there's so many other shows that you've done and uh you know i'd love to talk about everything but obviously we're not gonna <laughs> not gonna take time to do all of those but uh, in your career what would you say were the top Oh, say top for five shows that hold the closest to your heart. You mean of a, a series, different series, different series that you've done over the time. You know, what were you, what were your favorite ones that you did? I, I guess I have to put golden girls at the very top because, because it really launched my career here. I, I was here. I'd been here about a year and I'd been or oh, four years. I'd been doing um, movies of the week and things like that. But the thing that got me really established in the comedy field was Golden Girls. So apart from the affection I have for the experience, I also have uh, great uh, gratitude to it. So it's up there. Uh, I would also say um, Third Rock is, mm -hmm. is a close contender, but just because of the sheer joy of going in every day, rehearsing something that made me laugh. Did I spent most of my day laughing at the antics of John and, and, and French and Joey and Kristen, it was, it was just, it was, it was not work. It was just, Oh, what, what fun are we going to have today? <laughs> um, in England, I'd had some major successes. It was a show I did called the two Ronnies, which was probably one of the most successful shows ever in British television. It was never shown over here. It's, it's, it was a sketch show, sketch variety show. Uh, and I did seven years of that. And, uh, that really launched my career over there as well. Um, I enjoyed doing Friends. I only did about six or seven Friends episodes because I was, it, it was on at the same time as Third Rock, and I'd already committed myself to Third Rock. But the, the experience I had in the second and third year of Friends, that, that was very enjoyable too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not going to talk about the ones I didn't enjoy, <laughs> shows I didn't enjoy. There were some of those too. Yeah. Uh, well, we won't ask that you that. That happens, that happens as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you worked with uh, on Monty Python. I did. Um, well, the Monty Python writers and, uh, and performers, we were all contemporaries at the BBC. We all joined the BBC at about the same time in the mid '60s, uh, early '70s, and we were all working independently on various shows. Uh, 
they would come on some of my John Cleese and Michael Palin would write for the two Ronnies and appear on the two Ronnies. So it was a very convivial, uh, almost, um, it was like a university. Everybody just knew everybody and then meet in a club afterwards and a lot of cross, cross-referencing and performing on each other's shows. Uh, then they went off and did Monty Python, the series. And I, subsequent to that, I did uh, a series with Michael Palin which I'm very proud of is a film series called Ripping Yarns. We only did nine of them, and I directed those four, I think it was. Um, but that that was a, a great a great show, very well regarded in England. Um, then when they came, I was I had moved to the states in 1980, and they came over at the end of '81, and we did. Uh, I directed, produced, and directed their concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, and uh, that was that went out as a movie, as a, a film, Monty Python, live at the Hollywood Bowl. That was that was a fun experience too. Yeah. So it was a lot. Our lives, and then John Cleese was my neighbor in Montecito here in California, was my neighbor for many years. So he and I see a lot of each other still. Wow. And now uh, you have an Emmy for your directing of the Golden Girls, and you also have a, a, a BAFTA award for the two Ronnies. So you, yes. I mean, obviously that shows that. You know, I also got an Emmy, Emmy for Sweeney Todd. The Sweeney students. Todd. Yes. 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 I was very fortunate. How'd you feel when you, when you won an Emmy and a BAFTA and, and you know, how did that. Well, the first one particularly was kind of surreal. I, I, you know, we've been over my family and I have been over here for five years and I, I was on the stage at the, can't remember where we did the Emmys at the time out of the Shrine Auditorium. And I thought, what? How did this happen? How did I get here? It was so organic and so natural, yet so surreal at the same time. It was, it was very strange. Mm. Yeah. Now, this event that's going on at the Arinda Theater on May 26th to the 28th is uh, the Behind the Golden Curtain. So obviously, there's going to be a lot of people there talking about what went on behind the Golden Curtain. Are you going to be there for the whole event, or are you there just for one of the days, or how is that working? I think I'm, I think I'm Saturday and Sunday. I think it's my uh, appearance is scheduled for. That could change. I, I, I don't really know. I'm just going to come, and I will do whatever I must do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I'm sure it's going to be a great time. Uh, have you ever been to the Rinda Theater? No, no, I haven't. It's, it's, it's a beautiful old theater. It, it, you oh, know, good, I'm, yeah. Forward to it. yeah, one of those classic-looking theaters and everything. So it's a, it's going to be a, a, a really fun time there, and I'm sure you know you're going to see a lot of people who you knew when you were working on there. There's going to be some of the producers and everything else, and uh, some of the guest Good. stars. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So, Terry, uh, I want to finish up. And one final question, but once again, I want to remind everybody that they can go to the BehindTheGoldenCurtain.com to find out more about the event at the Arinda Theater on May 26th to the 28th. And you'll be there, and there's going to be a whole cast of other people there, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so they should check it out. But, Terry, the final question is, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows from now and the past, and what are your favorite movies now and in the past? Well, let's let's start with the past. I mean, in England, I was a devotee of 
Amer I was, while I was doing shows for BBC, I would, I love shows, American shows like Mary Tyler Moore Show, Dick Van Dyke. They, they, they were a great role model for me of what I wanted to do. And uh, the fact that I became eventually to do that is, is quite amazing. But, uh, but, but they colored my judgment in a, in a, in a big way. Uh, films, I, t I tend to like the films from the 70s and the early 80s, things like the Parallax View and uh, um, the films of uh, obviously things like The Godfather. I don't tend to watch comedy films very much. Uh, Woody mm -hmm. Allen, is, and, and the early Woody Allen I, I loved and still, still do. Um, I'm trying to think, but I mostly watch uh, dramatic movies. I don't tend to go towards comedies. And in, te and in television, um, I love Cub Your Enthusiasm. I love Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld for the new way it treated comedy. And, and it was a totally new approach uh, that nobody really knew was an approach. They just created something very special. When you think there's nothing new to be done, they did something extraordinary new. But of course, that was 20 odd years ago now, so right. <laughs> it's not new anymore. Uh, I would go out of my way to see Seinfeld, Curb uh, Your Enthusiasm, I, I, I still like very much. Um, other than that, I don't tend to watch many of the comedy shows. Hmm. Um, yeah. uh, some shows from England that, that I have liked over the years. Um, let me think. Um, oh, my mind's totally gone on, on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no uh, problem. Closing, closing down on that. But, yeah. but in movies, I tend to uh, drift more towards dramatic movies. Yeah. The things that nobody will ever ask me to do because of, I have so much baggage with comedy. Happy baggage, but it would be very difficult to change streams. But that's why I like to watch them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you, when you watch TV or movies or anything, can you enjoy them? Or does your mind go into director mode and say, well, they probably should have done this or that? <laughs> no, if, no, no, no. If I, 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 can, I can stay outside that. And if I'm watching a show, especially if I'm enjoying it, I'll only watch it if I enjoy it. Uh, it, it transcends that, that personal directing thing. Yeah. That's I, I don't think that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Terry, I, I cannot thank you enough because, uh, you know, you, you've made so many people happy with the shows that oh. you've directed. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to share with us. Thank you for asking me and uh, see you in May. I'm sure. And we'd like to thank Terry Hughes for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond, sharing with us, letting us know about the Golden Girls. All that interesting stuff is really, really neat. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the two Ronnies, Third Rock from the Sun. If you've, you know, those are shows people grew up with. You know, a lot of us have grown up with those shows. And it's uh, always fun to hear what went behind the scenes that we never get to see and things like that. And what are these people really like? So uh, it's, it's a a lot of fun. So we hope you enjoyed that one. And we hope you keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. Be sure to go back into our rerun section or go to your favorite podcast provider where On Screen and Beyond is featured. And you can scroll down through all 630 episodes and find some very interesting people. Lately, we've been looking uh, at the stats and um, a lot of a lot of people are, uh, you know, listening to some of the older ones like um, the uh, Brian Hyland who uh, did Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dog Bikini. He's, he's had a lot of downloads. 
And uh, Dr. Demento, that one's one is one that a lot of people listening to uh, all the time. That one seems to come up a lot. And, uh, of course, then the weekly one that we're putting out. But uh, there's so many, you know, Lee Majors and Bob Barker and uh, just Mark Cuban and everything. So a lot of good people here at On Screen and Beyond. Be sure to check them out, and I hope you'll enjoy those episodes. Be sure to check out on May 26th through the 28th at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, uh, California. That's outside of San Francisco. Hop on the BART. Takes you right to Orinda. Get off the BART. Walk across the street, and bang, you're right there at the, uh, you know, the Arinda Theater. And it's a beautiful theater, and it's going to be the uh, Behind the Golden Curtain event, a tribute to the Golden Girls TV show, and all kinds of guests. A lot of fun. It's just going to be so much fun. You know, Sid and Marty Croft, they did last year, and now it's uh, Behind the Golden Curtain. So we hope you'll check that out. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when do we once again take you on screen and beyond? I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>